Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Inside the Coach's Office. My name is Tom Murphy Jr. And as always, I'm here with Coach Brian Barnes. Uh, Coach Barnes, how you doing today? Good, Tom. I mean, it's, it's been a while. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're running into our busy, busy spring season, but uh, I'm excited uh, about what we have in store tonight. It's going to be a little bit, a little bit different than what we've done uh, previously. So I'm, I'm pretty fired up to see uh, how this ends up turning out. Yeah, it's very exciting. So what we're doing tonight is we have a, a little bit of a roundtable. Usually we have like one, maybe two guests, but today um, there's uh, we have four different guests. Uh, so we're going to uh, just discuss some, uh, you know, have a good discussion about high school football and what's going on in the state of Michigan with football. And uh, so, Coach Barnes, why don't you go ahead uh, real quick and, and introduce who we have on the panel today? Yeah, so I'll, we have uh, I'd like all these coaches that joined us tonight to, to introduce themselves um, after I after I talk about each of them. We have Coach Corey Saroch, uh, head football coach at Wald Lake Western, who I believe is entering his third season at Western. Right. Coach. Coach uh, Jason Albrecht from Farmington High School, who I believe is also his third season. Coach yep. Tom Michelson, who's the head football coach at Garden City, also entering his third season. And then Coach Jeff Glenn, who's a uh, second-year offensive coordinator at um, University of Detroit Jesuit. And um, Coach Glenn has had coaching experience as well. So, uh, guys, thank you again for being here. If you could, um, you know, really quick, we'll start with Corey. Just just introduce yourself a little bit. Just give us a brief uh, background about yourself and, you know, your, your coaching history. Um, I am currently the head coach of Lake Western. Like you said, it's going to be going into my third year. Um, previous to that, I was the head coach at Farmington High School, where Jason then is now the new head coach there. Um, and previous to that, I was <clears throat> a number of different assistant coaching positions at Farmington High um, throughout my previous coaching career. And uh, that's really that's really it. Yeah. So, Jason, before you introduce yourself, we won't make mention that we know you backstab Corey to get the job at Farmington too. So you got me fired, you know. man. Yeah, we know. Nah, we know. I I recall that situation, but. <laughs> <laughs> but Coach Albrecht, go ahead and talk to us. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure, uh, Jason Albrecht, uh, like Coach said, head coach at Farmington High School. Uh, Previous to coming back to Farmington, I, I uh, was the head coach at Our Lady of the Lakes in Waterford for two years and coached another five being the D.C. Uh, there. Um, and then before that, I was at I started coaching in uh, at Farmington from 2007 to 2012. Um, started at the low levels, JV freshman, and then worked my way up to being a uh, position coach at the uh, varsity level and. Um, so been going on 10 years at Farmington here. Sounds good. Thank you. Coach Michelson. Yes. So Tom Michelson, head coach, my third year at Garden City. Uh, before that, I had nine years at Riverview, Gabe and Richard. Played against Brian's teams a few times. Always knew I wanted to be a head coach since I was a senior in high school. Uh, I was an assistant coach at Southfield Lathrop for a long time. And uh, just excited to talk to some other coaches here in the doldrums of the off season and uh i enjoy listening to the podcast and eager to see what the final final product is appreciate it coach glenn what's going on guys uh coach glenn, jeff glenn uad jesuit second year at uh uad he's an offensive coordinator um spent five years as a head coach at our lady of lakes high school and uh madison heights lanfear and then uh, before that, 
I've been all over. Uh, I've coached in the UP at Sault Ste. Marie, coached at Waterford Mott, Ipsy High, uh, Pelston High School for a year, Lake Orion, uh, I think I said Ipsy. It's uh, been all over. And this year, this upcoming year, be year 15 uh, coaching. So pretty fired up about that. But, um, yeah, excited for the 23 season. So, Tom, in the uh... – in, in the coaching world, like, um, you know, you dealt, you develop some bonds and some friendships with some guys and these guys, um, for me anyway, over the course of the last year have gotten to be pretty close. And we talk football, um, uh, pretty close to daily or we're always texting each other in the, our, our chat and, um, throwing off ideas, uh, throwing ideas off each other and whatnot. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, has come up lately is, um, there's been some interesting things going on and how our divisions have shaken up a little bit. Um, you know, for the playoffs for the upcoming fall. And, and so um, actually one of the first topics I'd like the guys to talk about if they could is, um, you know, your initial thoughts of how the divisions broke down. Um, does that, you know, impact your program at all? Does it, does it affect anything that you guys are doing? I know some of you guys, I know Jason uh, Farmington, they're, they're moving up in the division in OAA this year. And, um, you know, he's got some challenges there. So uh, if you guys could, you know, take me through a little bit, you know, what your initial thoughts were with, you know, the division alignment when that came up and, um, you know, how you think that might affect your program going forward. And that can be for any of you guys who want to start with that. I guess right, I'll, I'll go for Because I was the first person you talked to. Um, at Wald Lake Western, we have historically been Division Two. Um, for like the last 12, 13 years, they were Division Two. Last year was our first year in Division Three, which, um, you know, was different for us we've lost some enrollment and we're division three again this year um i don't know there's always banter and conversation between coaches about who's in your division who you might catch and i I learned a long time ago to just sort of play the regular season and see what happens in the playoffs because there's been years we thought we were going to get great draws and had bad ones and there's years we thought we were going to have bad draws and had good ones and um you know, I don't really try to spend a ton of time talking or thinking about who's in the division or who we might see. Uh, I spend more time thinking about getting there and then figure it out as we go. Um, also in Division Three, uh, Garden City. Tr- traditionally, we were Division Two. Uh, we've had two of our smallest classes ever leave, so last year we qualified as a Division Four team. It impacts us a little bit because we have smaller schools in our conference. Our conference is actually geographically based, like Wild Lake Westerns is. But like Corey said, you just want to get to the dance. And, you know, our goals are to compete and try to win a league championship for the first time in 30 years and host a playoff game would be really cool. doesn't matter if it's Division Three, Division Five, Division Two, Division Seven, And just kind of go from there and just take it one game at a time. Um, the point system, it to me, needs to be looked at because I don't know how you can fault schools for staying in geographical conferences based on re- enrollment. But we got to play by what the rules are, not what we wish they could be. And so the rules are what they are. But if we would take care of our business, we should be in the playoffs. Coach, uh, Coach Glenn, let's go. We'll, or Coach Albrecht, go ahead. You popped in. Yeah, so we're uh, we're Division Two again. I know um, back in 2020 we we're Division One, but historically we've been Division Two. I think. That was it, a I fun mean, year. yeah, it sure was. Um, but you know, we we look you know trying to schedule games like the oaa moved us up to a division where we're playing uh four division or 
we have five division one teams on our schedule right now with crossover and, and regular season. So, you know, looking at it, like you get more points systematically for playing division one schools that are better than say like playing the division, you know, three schools, but you know, so it's, a, it's always a juggle to say like, you know, who's going to be where um, cause schools gain enrollment, lose enrollment. You know, there's division one schools that are now two um, based on, I think a lot of teams are dropping from, the lower levels out of division seven or eight and going into eight man. So um, kind of like what Corey said, like it's ultimately like you got to strap up and play who's on your schedule and um, take care of business. And, you know, the nice thing is, is like, it's not a six win guarantee anymore uh, for, for a lot of schools, um, you know, schools that are playing bigger schools um, and maybe not winning. I think schools have gotten in with three wins. So, um, you know, it's, to me, it's, it's always a crapshoot, and you never know what you're going to get when you when you start scheduling non-conferences. Thank you, Coach Glenn. How does it affect you guys at UD, if at all? Well, D two definitely got a little bit deeper this year, that's for sure. Uh, which you know, kind of like what Corey said. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You got to make the dance, you know, for it to matter anyway. And even then, you got to just play who's in front of you. Um, you know, we unfortunately missed it this past year. We were like, I think the first or second team out, which, which was tough, but having to play. Um, but we also felt though that the, the draw that we would have gotten, we, we felt that we had a shot. So it's as much as um, the MHSA playoffs is, you know, about endurance and, and getting through and beating some of the top teams. So much of it has to do with luck and where you end up getting, end up getting sent. I mean, it's, it's crazy the difference what, um, you know, seating or just general placement, you know, whatever snooze the use says uh, can make a, you know, an impact on your year. And for us, you know, we just want to get to the dance and we'll, we'll you know, we'll handle whatever we got. I think to, to echo that, you know, Corey said something pretty cool, you know, when he talked about like, you know, you're not worried about the playoffs. You just want to get to the dance kind of thing. Right. Cause like, you know, our situation at some point all in our career, like, you know, you recognize, like, when you get to the playoffs, like, like who knows what type of team you're going to run into, right? Who knows where they're getting their kids, if it's, you know, if it's an open enrollment school against a closed district or whatever. And you just, you just never know. You could beat yourself up with frustration and stuff. But, like, you know, to me, like, this focus on, like, goes back to our old coaching adage, right? One day at a time, one game at a time, let the chips fall where they may, and it's worked out for you great you know and if it doesn't and you know those are the breaks but uh tom i wanted to ask these guys too really quick before we get before we get to your question um you guys like knowing our divisions now ahead of time where before it was always like a wait and see when the playoffs came out like who would be like there could be oh is that team going to be the smallest two or the biggest three you know things like that do you guys like knowing ahead of time like we do now i personally like it a little more because from my standpoint, and this might be just a little bit different, when you schedule teams in the off season to maybe do a seven on seven against or a joint practice or something like that, um, you'll know 100% if you could or could not run into them. So like we try to do a joint practice every year or some, you know, some seven on sevens. We try not to get with teams that, you know, we would really truly run into um, and having that idea. And then, you know, from the standpoint of we play a lot of geographical teams, too, in our conference, um, you know, I know in Division Three we're the only – actually, I think there's two Division Three teams in our conference. 
but I know it'll be the only time we play those teams. Um, you know, sometimes when you play in a geographical conference and you're also in the same division as them in the playoffs, you got to play them twice. Um, so I like our situation a little bit where we're playing division two teams and division one teams, knowing we're going to give them whatever we're going to give them. And we're only going to have to do it once. We're not going to have to worry about rescouting them or them rescouting us. And, um, but I think there's also some cool pieces of not knowing, like, I, I don't know, it makes a selection show a little different because you went into it this year, pretty much knowing exactly what was going to happen. Uh, when in previous years, you're like, well, it went up to the last day to determine who was going to be in two or one. And, um, but I sort of like knowing we're all, fo- you know, type A football coach personalities. We like to be in control of stuff. So I think it's a positive. I think it's good knowing, but any team that wins six games should be in before any team that's four and five. That's my opinion. Awesome. Uh, Jason or Jeff, do you have an opinion one way or another? I think it's, it's beneficial, like knowing who could be in your division and it does definitely break it up. So like come, you know, end of October, you kind of have an idea of who, who's got, who could be in based on the points they have right now and how the, the map could be drawn. Um, because like uh, there was years where you, when you don't know, like we were five and four one year and we collected all of our equipment and next day, like Saturday, we found out like, Hey, we we're going to get in as a division two school. And we had to go turn, get all the kids to come back and get all their stuff again. So and we, um, won. we did mm-hmm. we won that game. So I think it gives a little more clarity at times. I, I, me, I think it'd be cool to get him if we can get him earlier. I know there's count day and all that plays into it because, um, you know, scheduling starts like for the next season by like end of the first, uh, the previous season. So we're, we, you know, we're, we're going to be division six again uh, at Bishop Foley. Um, we opted up last year, but what's crazy is, is, our enrollment trajectory, I think it's a little better now than it was this time a year ago, but like right now we were two, two kids away from potentially being division eight. So I can see us next year, like being division eight and Jason alluded to it a little bit with so many smaller school teams kind of like going to the eight man route. Cause it's just easier for them to keep a program. But like you guys talked about, like we've talked about some fluctuation in other divisions too, like, uh, like Harper Woods enrollment changes and whatnot and other schools, their enrollment has changed significantly. Why do you guys think that is? Like, do you think there's any particular reason? Like, I know the enrollment in our schools are, are down across the board, public or private. Um, and there's different reasons for that. Like when the pandemic happened and, um, you know, families leaving the state and whatnot. Um, or is it simply, I mean, I hate to say it, but like the rich get richer, like some of the bigger, you know, schools that, um, you know, historically have had success and whether questionable tactics or not, you know, kids have gone to their school. Like, you think it's that, and it's put a squeeze on everybody. Like, you guys have a feeling one way or another of why things are fluctuating the way they have been. I think it's all um, different reasons and different situations. Like in my district, we went from being a sixteen or seventeen hundred kids school to a thousand kids school in five years. But a lot of that has to do with other communities being built around us. Like, there's a lot more people living in the South Lions and. Um, you know, the areas out there that used to, you know, be less populated. <clears throat> and then, you know, just being, when we were at Farmington, <clears throat> we, uh, we obviously had that situation where Harrison shut down. So we had three schools of about, you know, a thousand kids or 1200 kids, which turned into now what two schools about 1500. So 
think that that's, you know, has to do with communities and where people live and where people are going. And then some of the other ones you mentioned are just, you know, there's also obviously school of choice situations where the doors are open for people where they don't have to truly live in the community. Uh, so their, their numbers obviously fluctuate a little more than others. You, other guys, do you guys have a say, no, or a opinion, maybe one way or another? No. Okay. All right. Um, fellas, what I'm really interested in is uh, with you guys is um, you're all very experienced um, head, head coaches right now. And, um, and uh, Jeff, an experienced uh, defensive coordinator um, who has had head coach experience. Don't, don't, don't uh, assign Coach Glenn. He's a, <laughs> he, he's a big, oh, yeah, OC, air raid, mesh type guy. Yeah, yeah. don't offend him saying defense. Yeah. Or offense court. Okay, but um, – yeah. What I want to know is how um how this offseason is 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 this offseason different than any past off seasons as far as the preparation and now that you guys have some experience um of multiple years at, at your respective schools, is it getting is the offseason becoming easier to navigate or or is it just as stressful as it's ever been with um you know evolving game plans and and forming out your rosters and things of that nature. Um, so whoever wants to start with that, that can, but uh, yeah, I just want to know how, how this off season is shaping out and, and what, what you guys are doing to, to um, maximize the, uh, the potential of the new coming season. So I'll start. I, we had a, I actually really enjoyed this off season. We, with it being my second year, I got into UAD late. Um, so we got a late as far as like, late start on our install and everything. So I thought we were always playing catch up. So the fact now that we're a year in, I think put us at a really good, I just, I feel a lot better. I don't feel as stressed as, as far as the installs go. And our guys know exactly what their role is. They know what their job is. And, um, you know, they're just going to go out there and work. I think the bigger thing that I focused on this off season and our staff did was trying to be more versatile um uh and different personnel groupings and stuff like that um as well as my big thing my big project was creating um offensive culture like a, a, a you know uh an identity for our group um trying to take it you know the perspective as, of a head coach into a coordinator role and try to create our own identity and our on our offensive side i mean we're not too platoon by any means but we're getting pretty close to it and I feel like if we can create an identity, it allows the kid to give a little bit more ownership um, as far as when it comes to the scheme and just what we are. And we've done a, I've, I've done a lot of investment in trying to teach the kids just about the background of the offense instead of, you know, making sure that the air, like the air rage is not just a, a buzzword. Like we really want to, you know, live, live it. And I want the kids to understand what it, what it means. Cause majority of people don't truly know the meaning of it and and what it really is so uh, that's been our one of our big things is trying to become more versatile um, you know have that flexibility uh, for Michigan in general as far as just weather and all that um, and then also just building culture and um, you know tr uh, kind of capitalizing on the momentum that we had towards the end of the year last year well, Jeff, Jeff, your situation was really unique because you, you know, you were you were taking over a, an offensive situation where you have a defensive-minded head coach who um, 
you know, did things a certain way and, um, and um, the kids, you know, knew things, how they were run previously before you got there and stuff. And credit to Coach Lewis for allowing you to, you know, kind of put your personality, put your snap, put your um, stamp on the program and, and on the offense. And so your situation, you know, like you were saying, was really a lot, kind of like a head coach, um, you know, getting into it. And now you, you finally have that full off season where you can really, you know, do the things you want to do and, and work with the kids more and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, props to you guys and, and definitely credit to Coach Lewis for, you know, being like, because sometimes as a head coach, as we all know, it's, it's pretty humbling, you know, to um, really trust somebody um, that maybe you haven't worked with previously to to kind of do their thing. That's not something they've, you know, they're used to doing things that way. Yeah, it's it was uh, it was certainly a, a learning curve for both of us. Um, but I, I'll say this, I'll give all the credit in the world to Matt and I'm forever grateful for him for a guy that he was an offensive coordinator on a state championship team to get and been a play caller pretty much his whole career for him to not only give me the play calling duties, but full control of the offense to install something. I mean, it was like the number I throw around. We joke, I joke about uh, the year prior to me getting there, they had, I think a total of 20 snaps where they weren't in seven man protection and this past year, I think we were in about 15 snaps of six-man protection. Um, so it just was a completely different um, – I mean, it was a complete flip, like 180 flip. And for, you know, Matt, who, you know, only knew me from meeting me a couple times, you know, we, we had some conversations, but we didn't coach together. We didn't do anything together. He just um, – you know, it was a long process, but forever grateful for, you know – for him trusting me and we are polar opposites, but I think uh, it makes us better because we make each other uncomfortable and it's, it's a good thing. And it made, I think it makes us both better. <clears throat> I'll jump oh. in a little bit. I got two quick things that we did this off season that might've been different. Uh, number one, we started taking our, all of our schematics and we started really using huddles technology. So we put all of our offensive and defensive playbook that might've been hodgepodge in other um, settings at times into huddle. And we added film to all of it. So whatever install we had in there, whatever schematical stuff that we put in there, we found three or four videos of us actually doing it, um, which allows both coaches and players to see the scheme, not just drawn up with X's and O's, but see it in action. And uh, it was extremely time consuming, but it's changed everything. And uh, I think that was a major thing. And then we made a major emphasis on spending time with assistant coaches. And I think I've had more positional meetings than I've ever had in off season, um, just because I want everybody to be up to speed. Sometimes as a head coach, we take for granted. It's usually scheme we've developed or scheme we've known or terminology we've known for our whole lives. Um, you know, whether we bring new guys on staff or even guys that have been around for a while, um, sometimes we take for granted exactly what they know. And we've had a lot of meetings where I've put the emphasis on them doing the talking, um, which has helped everybody, help them feel more comfortable teaching the scheme, making sure that all of our terminology that we're telling kids is identical um, and really just building a well-rounded coaching staff that can go off and coach their positions. I mean, it's not going to get better than the offseason of 2020 and 2021 when everyone was stuck with the same rules at home. 
and we got to swing a lot of golf clubs. Uh, I think you're always trying to find a way to do it better. Um, whether it's after school lifting or morning workouts and just trying to, you got to really survey your community to try to get some, figure out what's going to work to get your kids out. We obviously want them all playing spring sports competing, but we have some football things they need to get acclimated at too quick because school gets out. We're playing a game two months from now and we got to be ready. So uh, I think you're always trying to innovate and come up with new ideas and see what happens out there. Oh, tell that anything. I mean, other than like I, when I got hired in as a head coach, like I, it was kind of that we were only allowed 10 kids in a weight room or whatever at a time. Um, and being able to just set a, a system, like a culture standard for expectations of what you should be doing in the off season, like grade wise, taking care of that uh, for eligibility purposes. And then, you know, we, we lift three days a week, the, the same three days every week um, during breaks. So kids are, um, you know, the kids that have been around in the program understand it. Um, and it just kind of makes, makes everything runs more smooth. Um, you know, we've kind of used the same training procedure training program that we did last year. So kids that were involved last year are able to help teach the younger kids and, and kind of flow that way as well. Um, and I think just trying to find ways you know, as a staff to try to get better at what we do and how we want to run stuff. And, um, you know, it's all like we put together installs for kids to look at, you know, for run game, for pass games so that they can go on it and be able to see it drawn up. And that way, you know, they can do, they can be taught it in person and it kind of clicks better come June. And, and when we're doing those, those uh, seven on sevens and, and whatnot. So. We uh, we were talking a little bit before um, we started the show, um, you know, about some showcases coming up and, and some camp scene and whatnot. And if you've listened to previous shows, you know that Tom loves talking recruiting and, and he loves talking about, um, you know, getting kids to the next level and whatnot. So um, do you guys have a specific recruiting philosophy, like for your program or for your kids or your current situation? Um that you'd be willing to share. Um, I mean, obviously like, you know, when a college coach comes in or we're talking to a kid who says to you, Hey coach, I want to play college football. First thing we tell them is like, well, you better have good grades. I mean, that's, that's kind of the obvious one, but do you guys do anything unique? Um, you know, maybe in the way you set up your prospect list, you know, I've seen guys do a real cool looking PDF, uh, you know, and, and, you know, put some intangibles of the kid and measurables and stuff like that on a PDF and set it out to schools. But, uh, do you guys have anything cool or that, or you know unique uh recruiting wise or helping get kids to the next level that you'd be willing to share i think the most important thing and it's sort of just vague is just being truthful with both the kids and the coaches so you know when coaches come in if it's a division one coach i want to make sure i'm only giving them kids that can play at the division one level um Sometimes that's hard and there becomes some politics to that with, you know, why isn't my kid involved in this meeting? Um, but the reasons that coaches keep coming back and recruiting your kids is because they trust uh, your assessment of them. And I think some people are guilty of putting 40 kids out into that, uh, that meeting and only maybe one or two of them are capable of doing so. And then on the same note is just being truthful with the kids. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, what a division one athlete looks like versus what a division two athlete looks like. And, you know, 
whether you like it or not, a lot of that has to do with measurables. Um, so just being honest, now everybody wants to play division one football and it's sort of turned into this division one or bus situation. Uh, but there's a lot of opportunities in a lot of different spots for just about anybody who wants to play college football. So, you know, giving them that information as to what all the levels of college football are about, and then being honest with the coaches as to who can play at those levels, I think builds trust with them and they keep coming back and recruiting your kids. I actually have a Google form I send out to the, to my players and just so I have everything on one sheet of, you know, their height, their weight, um, GPA, contact information, Twitter handle, all that stuff, uh, highlight film. That way coaches that come in, I can just kind of email it to them. Um, I'll reach out to schools that I know kids are interested in and just be like recruiting coordinator, whoever recruits our area. Um, just say, Hey, you know, there's some, here's some kids I think you should look at. I think they can play at your level. Um, but part of that again is, you know, understanding or, you know, I don't have a perfect answer for who's a division one player who's versus division two. Um, and a lot of now with the transfer portal, even talking to coaches today, it's, I mean, it's craziness. So ultimately like, where do you, do you really want to play football or do you really just like the attention is I've had kids in the past that love being recruited, but don't really have the strongest intentions of playing. Um, so kind of getting a get uh, an idea of where they're geared towards um, if they're really putting in the work in the classroom and the weight room and, and training, like, sure. You know, do they have the measurables, but, um, you know, like coaches come in, who do you got? And it's, well, I have these kids, you know, and they can kind of I give them the information so that they're able to communicate and process with, you know, what they, they think it's a kid they really want and, uh, or if it fits for them. And, you know, I've got kids in the past that grade wise, just kind of shoot themselves in the foot. So, um, you know, like uh, there's schools that email you like, Hey, I need the kids with a three, five or higher. And I've had years where I don't have that. Um, so it's, um, just trying to get the kid's name out there as much as you can. Um, and then making sure they understand, like nowadays coaches want to see you move coaches want to see you at camp, but you don't need to go to 30 camps. Um, so it's, I mean, recruiting is, there's no, I don't think there's a perfect, um, perfect route to go. It's just, you know, getting the kids exposed as much as you can and hope, hoping guide them to what they, what they want to do. All right. Um, let's move on to, uh, some, some, um, kind of like philosophy and scheme type stuff. Cause I'm curious, uh, I'll start with you, uh, coach Corey. Um, how does your offensive and defensive philosophies and, and like, um, you know, kind of like your play calling style and, and the style that you want to to run, how does that reflect based on on the personnel that you have um, versus your own wants for for the, the kind of um, philosophy you want to put out on, on, on the field? So I think that's I think you sort of touched right at it is the way I look at the offensive menu. Um, turns into, you know, we have the ability to do a bunch of different things, but what does your personnel fit? So um, we have pretty heavily consistently offensively been a power run team, um, but how we get to that power run, um, you know, who is it? Are we under center? Are we in the gun? What personnel are we in? Um, sort of dictated by the kids we have. So like last year we had, 
uh, Mr. Football Candidate who rushed for 2,500 yards. We ran the football and did some play action stuff. Um, you know, there's been years where we might not have had that, that power runner. We might run more side-to-side -side stuff, quick games, stuff like that. So I think your personnel, number one, dictates it. And then you sort of have answers as to where you could go. Um, I, I don't like ever fitting, you know, square pegs into round holes. Try to figure out what your kids can do best and then give them the tools to do so. Uh, we'll yeah. go with, uh, yeah, uh, Coach uh, Jason, you, you, you got anything with that? No, oh, I grew I grew up in a in Farmington's playbook of we kind of ran a four four look and all this stuff and kind of I've always tried to find the the approach of what can our kids learn within our the scheme that we want to run um, and what's easiest for them and you know I think part of that you know I'm we've been a power scheme or a down blocking scheme um, for a good portion of my career even you know going to to lakes we. We transitioned from do, doing some run and shoot principles to running the eye and running power stuff. Um, but it's, again, it, you can have different players from year to year. And I think adapting your terminology and what you're doing to the kids you have, I mean, it, and keeping the same terms is the big thing. Uh, uh, kids, uh, it takes them time to learn like oh what does this mean versus that and oh this meant this last year but you know changing is had to me hasn't ever really benefited us so trying to be make it look complicated to the other other uh, the opponent yet making it simplified for our kids and and using what we have to our advantage Tommy or Jeff um you know I think when you're, you know, I was started off at a smaller school like Rary Richard, and you don't have a lot of depth. So you really got to lean on what you have and uh, play to your strengths. You know, uh, some years at a small school, you might only have one or two quarterbacks. So you might not be able to run the quarterback as much. Other years, you got five or six running backs. So there's going to be more of a rotation. But I think all their goals are to win. Um, so we're going to probably take what people give us. We're going to attack where we think they're weak. And a lot of that comes through film prep, studying um, what the other teams are trying to do. And, like Jason said, you gotta be able to teach it. So learning methods to teach it. I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but um, it seems like our athletes, student athletes are able to absorb less and less information since the start of my career. And you're really having to be creative in how you give them that information, whether it's on a wristband, hand signals, or being really, really basic, because it seems like the more screens they have, the less they can remember. And if they don't remember what to do, you can't run it because you're going to look bad. You're going to have egg on your face when you get out there. Coach Jeff, you had um, talked a bit pre previously about, uh, you know, the, the stuff that the air raid offense. And I just wonder if you could go in, uh, a bit more in depth about what that actually means and, and to how and, and how you take that that air raid type style into a high school program where um, some of the kids might not be as equipped to to handle that type of passing attack. Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, I think the biggest or the biggest misunderstanding about air raid is that it's a playbook that it's you know you have to throw a certain amount of times to be an air raid uh, team. And in, in, in all reality, I, I think air raid is more of a philosophy. It's uh, it's uh, you know a, a belief that uh, balance is not achieved from 50-50 run and pass. You know, Mike Leach said, you know, if you think uh, if you're 50-50 run pass and you're 50-50 idiot, 
the 50% idiot, I think is what he said. And um, so we try to just, our, our big thing, our big selling point, I came to U of D, I think at the right time being that, you know, U of D forever has had some great athletes, um, haven't always been strong up front. Uh, so what we do is we try to get teams out in space. We try to use the full 53 and a half, uh, you know, for the field and, and just try to make teams uncomfortable. Uh, probably the things that high school defenses and high school kids struggle the most is defending the pass. So we definitely throw the ball a little bit more than most. Uh, but in all reality, our idea of uh, balance is trying to get guys equal touches um, from all five skill positions. And if we can do that, then we feel like we've got a pretty good shot to win games. And, you know, we're fortunate. We've got some pretty good athletes on the outside. And uh, it's definitely a lot, but we have a very small playbook. I mean, our install is done. Our kids pretty much, they were pretty much, even with the new offense, knew just about everything by the fifth practice. Um, they were pretty locked in. So having a small playbook, kids know we have specific rules. Um, and it just maximizes their ability, allows them to play fast. Um, you know, less is more in our eyes, and we'd much rather those guys be, you know, not thinking as much and just go be able to go play fast and have some fun out there. I love that you said defenses in high school still struggle covering the pass because, again, if we see, you know, a linebacker with a big neck roll, he's going to cover my running back out of the backfield. You better believe, like, we're releasing him and trying to get him the ball to make that guy go tackle our guy in space, you know. Um, yeah. um, moving on a little bit, Tom, I don't know where we're at in the time and, and finishing up at some point. We do have some pretty cool coaching connections here, how we've all gotten to know each other and things intertwined. So some of the notes I wrote down, some of them are, uh, you guys are going to smile at some of them. You might be like, Oh man, not cool. So let me see. Uh, coach Barnes is 0 and 3 against Coach Michelson. Is that correct? 0 and 3. Okay. Not my proudest moment, but it's, hey, you know, it's all good. Coach Elbrecht, I hate to say this. I think you're 0 and 2 against Coach Barnes. Is that accurate? Sorry. Uh, coach, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up. Coach Glenn. Uh, beat me out for a job a few years ago. We won't mention where. And let me see. Corey and Jason have worked together for years, and I just know for a fact they don't like each other. So, so. <laughs> no, okay. But it's cool though how like we've all like become friends and uh, we've gotten close and everything through the game of football. And it's uh, part of the reason why I love what I do. And I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Um, it's all it's all really cool that we've things have intertwined and we've gotten to know each other a little bit and you guys are at big schools and at, or at small school like myself or you've been at both and uh it's pretty cool it doesn't really matter where we always have that uh that bond and that connection so i just thought that was kind of funny i wanted to throw it at you guys a little bit so um tom anything else you got tonight for these guys before we get to our our conclusion yeah i just wonder um especially with uh with coach Corey. um being at, at Wild Lake Western, it's a it's a traditional powerhouse. Same thing with Farmington, um, especially after Farmington Harrison, which was an absolute traditional powerhouse for for sure. Um, and, and I just wonder with, with with you guys being at the the head coaches at at, um, at these prominent schools, what what type of pressure do you feel to to succeed? And I mean, obviously you, you're, you're in the position to, to win games, you know, but there's also more to it, you know, by, by um, mentoring the, the kids and, and 
things of that nature. But when you're at a traditional powerhouse, it's the, the pressure has to be there to to win games because you know, a couple losing seasons in a row or, or just being not successful as, you know, the, the, the fan base and the community wants you to be, uh, that pressure could be really, really high and you could find yourselves out of a job pretty quickly, I, I would I would imagine. So I guess if you could just touch on like the, the pressure level of being at, um, you know, at, at, at a, um, a, a traditional powerhouse, if you will. Um, yeah, there's, there's some pressure, um, you know, there is definitely pressure and whether it's, it's out loud verbal pressure, or it's silent pressure. There's pressure to win because there's been successful coaches. Western's unique because there's been success with a number of different coaches. Mike Zanepsky was there for years and years and years and really uh, did great things. And before him, Chuck Apap won a state championship. Alex Greeno came in and took them to the semifinals. Uh, Coach Mike Weiskopf held it together for a year and was a district champion. He's now back on our staff. And they plan on winning football games there. Um, my belief is that nobody puts more pressure on us than us. Um, you know, we're, we all want to win more than anybody does. And that's anybody in this, in this chat. Um, so I don't feel the pressure from outside. I always feel the pressure from inside. Cause that what I always say is no one's going to put more pressure on me than I put on me. So um, I think I'm more just happy and blessed to be at a school that supports football, a community that loves football and have kids that are bought in to, um, you know, playing winning football because that just doesn't happen um, by itself. So I was lucky enough to come into a situation that was pretty much built um, and just trying to continue it on. But uh, you use the word of losing season. Uh, e even just losing a game there sometimes feels um, like people are coming for your head a little bit. So. There is pressure, but, you know, it's because there's so many positive things there. And I, I tend to look with a glass half full um, that I'm in a situation where people really support football and care about. It. So I, I guess with being with my experience at Farmington, like we've had really good years. We've had really bad years. We've had those those years that have been so, so average, whatever you want to call it. Um I, I've been a member of a team as a player that's been, you know, oh, uh, hasn't won a game. I've coached in seasons where we haven't won a game. And it's, you know, it is, there is pressure to be successful and to, you know, win championships and everything like that. But at in the end of the day, like each division, you have one champion um, and how you determine, you know, the success of your season, every coach is going to look at it differently based on record or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm under the the thought process of I want our kids to be successful through everything that they do. Um, not just, you know, not just what they do on the scoreboard Friday night. Yes, that matters. Yes. That's what kids talk about on Monday to read in the papers and you see on Twitter, but ultimately like if you, I look at it as if I've prepared our kids to be the most successful that they can be through the, the week, through the game. And, you know, hopefully they're able to take what we teach them and, apply the principles to what they do later in life. Um, you know, I've, like I said, like Corey and I coached together in, in the COVID year and it was tough. Um, and there was a lot of pressure because they had just the year before they had beat Oak Park and, um, you know, they were, they were rolling and they won district championships and stuff like that. So I just, I'm trying to get our program to be in a point of consistency of, 
we're going to be successful both on and off the field and um, have have those life lessons that are going to go along with it. Yeah. So did you feel any extra added pressure, uh, Coach, of being an alum from Farmington, or is that just – just part of the mold for, for, for you as, as you know, you're just kind of like, you know, you bleed Farmington because you, you played there, you know, you, know, you, you, you went to school there and now you're coaching there. So it's just kind of been like just a part of you. Is there, is there added pressure because of that situation or, or do you feel even, you know, maybe more comfortable because you're so familiar with that situation um, than you would be maybe at a different school? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't feel pressure because I'm an alum by any means. I mean, I've, I've, I feel like I, my best interest is in the program because I've been a part of it since, well, 98, I was a freshman and I've been a part of it for, I don't even know how many years total. So it's, I've played a lot of games. I've coached a lot of games on that, on the field. Uh, I played on the field when it was grass before it was turf. So, I mean, it's not pressure based on, being an alum, it's just the pressure I put on myself to be, to try to be the best I can for the players and put the players in the best position to be successful. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Coach Barnes, I think we can, uh, you know, you, you can go ahead with the, with, with, with your final question here. Um, I think we've got a, I mean, we could probably go on and on and on, especially with the, the you know, just the knowledge of, uh, you know, football that we have in this, in this panel right now is, is pretty exciting, but um. We are kind of getting uh, at it here. So why don't you go ahead and, and uh, finish things up for us, Coach Barnes? Uh, yeah, I will. I appreciate you guys. This has been awesome. Like Tom said, we could we could talk about this forever. I love talking to you guys. I love picking your brain. Um, you know, and would love to do this again one day down the road. But, uh, you know, one of the things we finished with uh, at the end of the podcast is um, I want to ask you guys first to, um, you know, give the listeners any contact information you have, maybe your Twitter handle, um, give you a follow and, uh, you know, just, just help you guys and help others make connections with coaches and, and whatnot. And, um, and then is there a tradition um, or something special and unique to you personally or to your program that you'd be willing to share? That's really cool. Um, you know, it could be a yearly, you know, a trip up North. It can be, you know, a special uh, chat with your kids or a chance or an exercise or a unique drill or something cool like that. Is there anything, you know, on top of your, your contact info, your Twitter handles or anything, um, really cool tradition that's unique to you or your program that you'd be willing to share and uh actually we're going to start with coach glenn this time because i feel like since he he's gone last a few times you're you're up top coach sounds good uh so i'd say the the probably the, the one thing I'll, I'll give matt a lot of credit with what we do every year we do a yearly uh, football retreat so we only do two camps all summer um we only use six six or seven of our camp days and we go up north, and last year we went up, uh, we had a, a parent that has a pretty nice house up up in uh, Bel Air, so we stayed at Shanty Creek, and, you know, for a lot of our kids, um, you know, they've never, half those kids have never been, you know, out of the city. Um, so getting to go up there, like they had a fireworks show, um, you know, just a lot of really cool things that happen, um, just getting to spend you know, three, four days together. Uh, that was, that was a really special moment. And, you know, they, they took a hike up to the top of, uh, you know, this little mountain that they have up there and, and got to oversee like all of Northern Michigan. And it's just um, really, really special moment that they have. And it, it was really cool, really special thing to be a part of. And, 
you know, I'm excited about, you know, future trips and future retreats that we do up there. And because we make it about a lot more than just football. Um, you know, it's about building the brotherhood um, and, you know, building camaraderie amongst the team. And uh, this year is pretty special. So I'm excited about, you know, what we'll be doing next year or this upcoming year, I should say. Coach, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is Coach underscore Glenn nine, uh, G-L-Y-N-N. Uh, yeah, add me, you know, shoot me a follow. Just be ready to see a lot of pirate flags and uh, air raid hashtags. Awesome. Coach Michaelson. Yeah, well, one thing we do at the end of every practice, we uh, have the team gather together and sing the fight song for the school, and then they – Shake hands or fist bump with the coaches or adults off the way. So we always end with a positive interaction, no matter how practice was. Also, teaches some of the kids how to shake hands and whatnot. Uh, Twitter handle is Tommy Guns, T-O-M-M-I-E-G-U-N-N-Z. Uh, it's got some of the best golf golf pictures you've ever seen. It's also got a lot of – where, where was that? The one today was – at Pebble David. Beach, hole 10. Impressive. Yeah. yeah. And then I also do a lot of cooking tips for those of us who are challenged in the cooking arts. Um, like to show people. And it's, all, and it's almost that time to get to get your fishing on. Yeah, it's almost that time. We, we, we missed the walleye run, but it's almost that time for some shore fishing. Also, hydration <laughs> plugs. Quality yes. hydration <laughs> plugs. You need to show the kids how to hydrate if you uh, want to sure. make sure they show up to practice. Ready to practice. Hydration's important. Awesome. Thanks, Coach. Uh, Corey, uh, go ahead. Uh, Twitter handle is at Coach Siroch, C-I-O-R-O-C-H. Um, I think one unique thing that we do that I sort of stole from a guy we used to work with who's actually with me now at Wild Lake Western uh, in John Bechtel um, is we run parent film every week. Uh, every Wednesday, we watch the varsity game from the week before we invite all parents and we run it through just like we would run it with our kids um it number one creates a forum for questions um it creates a forum for maybe complaints but really what it ultimately turns into is teaching football and it turns into teaching what we're teaching their kids so they can have common conversations and uh you know, what it, what it turns into every year is a growing thing where they end up looking forward to it, win, lose, or draw. Um, and really, it, it can take a, maybe an adversary or a difficult parent and make them an advocate of yours. So, um, you know, every parent, we all know that coaching right now, maybe the hardest thing is parents and, you know, giving them the opportunity to see exactly what we're telling them. Um, you know, cause there is a miscommunication with people in the stands when they don't really know exactly what we're trying to do or what. And then there's, uh, you know, maybe some misconceptions and you're able to clear those up and you're also able to talk about what you're teaching their kids, which for the most part, uh, those kids are being taught pretty high level stuff that those parents really don't even know. So those, uh, those films really become great. Um, and we and really really build advocates through that, and it's been a great thing through all the programs I've ever been a part of. So, appreciate it. Uh, finally, Coach Elbrecht. Ah, uh, yeah. There's um, what is it? At Coach Albrecht fifty. Um, trying to 
I thought Corey was going to steal mine because again, we, we coached, we both coached for, for John Bechtel for a number of years. And one of the things I remember as a player um, when I was at Farmington to, you know, when I came back and watched when I left to it, it's just carried on through Bechtel to, through Corey. And then I obviously was going to keep that tradition going was uh, the last game of the year. Um, uh, you know, assuming, you know, it's a loss obviously, but we do a, a senior handshake where we have the seniors line up every two, three, four yards, whatever. Um, and we just get to go through and kids get to shake hands, give them a hug and thank them for what they've given to the program. Um, as a coach, it's, you know, I remember it my senior year, um, how emotional it was. And it's, it's just a way to kind of, you know, close out that chapter um, at the end of it. And, you know, it's a, it's a tough time and emotions are high. It's something I think is, that you don't see a lot of schools do. And, um, and I'm, I'm glad that I was about part of it and I get to continue on that tradition. Awesome. Tom, this was fantastic, man. Uh, yeah, yeah this is good stuff, man. We should definitely do this again. I was, I was, I gotta be honest. I was a little worried having this many people on at one time. I, I was, I was concerned to see how things would shake out, but I thought there'd be a lot more talking over people, but for this one, there was a lot more people kind of waiting to talk. So I would, we're going to have to clean that talk, up a bit, but uh, I think the it, talking over each other just happens when whatever we're in the same room. Yeah. That happens. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that, man. But no, this has been great, man. So, fellas, again, I just want to thank you guys for taking the time um, to be on the show. I think you all had some great things to say. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I look forward to um, a great season for all you guys. Um, so, um, you know, with that said, uh, Coach Barnes, is there anything else or are we going to go ahead and wrap it up here? Tom, let's wrap it up. Thanks again, guys. Great show. All right. It's been great, guys. Uh, for all the coaches today, especially for Coach Barnes, uh, my name is Tom Murphy Jr., and this has been another episode of Inside the Coach's Office. Good night.